wonderful. Amen. Why don't we get started? Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace, Lord. Let us find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We honor you, Lord, and we love you, and we thank you for giving us this opportunity to hear your holy word. It's holy. It's without blame. It can do everything we need it to do. So we thank you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Well, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says this. It says, my son, attend to my word, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all of their flesh. So this is why we always study the word. This is why we read the word every day. It's why you meditate on the word. This is why you seek the word on your problems. When you have trouble, you use the word to bring the remedy. Because the Bible says the word is health to all of our flesh. It's also medicine to our mortal bodies. Amen. So the body you live in right now, as you hear and meditate on the word, as that word goes into you, it becomes life and it becomes health. Amen. And so this is why we we preach the word and listen to the word. This is why uh, when you and I need to be healed in our body, you got symptoms or something is going on. This is why you get your favorite teachings out, your favorite healing teachings out, your favorite tapes, in addition to reading your Bible, because that's where you meet the Lord every day. Amen? Uh, I won't put nobody under con. They throw no shade on nobody. You know, I'm as guilty as the next person is rushing through things, you know, and, and the first person we want to skip is God, you know, play him cheap, play him short, but that's the first place we need to turn. Amen. Every day I I started doing something instead of I seldom put the TV on anymore. I just don't have any love for that nonsense. You know, there's nothing on there. The minute you turn something on, you think it's going to be a comedy. Every other word's a cuss word, you know. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, man, I got delivered from cussing. Well, we working on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We always working on something, but come on now. You don't feed yourself that stuff when you're trying to, you know, live right before God. You know, pretty soon the first thing you do when you something happens, something will fly out of your mouth that won't help you whatsoever. Amen. So the word should be what you have flying out of your mouth. Uh, when trouble comes. And so if you don't feed that stuff to yourself, it won't be there. And so I've disciplined myself to to look for the word first. Because if you don't look for the word first, the devil will put something else in your mind to start looking for. And so it, it's it's good to put the word as first place in your life at all times. And just it'll just be so easy. It'll be a matter of habit. And then when when difficulty comes up, the first thing that will come to you is a scripture that will take care of that. Amen. It should anyway. And so uh, this is the way God wants us to live our lives is 100 percent devoted to him and to his word, because that's what's going to help us. Amen. We're spirit and God. The word is what goes into your spirit. Amen. And then it can feed your flesh and it can feed your soul and your whole being will be so much the better for having received that word. So he says, pay attention. 
to my word. Amen. Incline your ears to what I say. Not what anybody else says, what I say. Don't let it depart from your eyes. In other words, don't sit up and listen to something that sounds real good and real fast and then drop the word and go and and pursue that thing. Amen. Some of the biggest deceptions we have, and I'm telling you, it's it's a challenge to stay faithful to God and to the word of God. It really is. Because if you look at a lot of Christian television now, they're diverted. I remember when I was a kid uh, uh, growing up in Cleveland, and I'm not going to tell you all when that was. You can count on your fingers as much as you want to trying to figure out. Out 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Don't go no higher than that. Amen. But, uh, I remember Reverend Rex Humbard over in Akron. Akron's always been a stronghold for, for, uh, for spiritual growth and freedom. You can say that. And if you look back in church history, you'll see some very, very uh, powerful people. Sister Etter did meetings over there a lot. A lot of the great healing and, and word and sign and wonder and miracle people. Ernest Angley is still over there. Amen. And so so we've always had that kind of stronghold. And they preach the straight gospel. Amen. Now, there's so many of them that have their own stations, can put on what they want to. You get on there and get confused. Because sometimes you're looking for healing. They'll tell you, well, we got something else for your help. Not a word. It's fine. But you understand? But you hold on to the word. You you don't get on involved in a lot of other stuff like that. You know, they got herbs. And that stuff has been around forever. Amen. And and you got to know what you're doing if you're really going to go that route. And who has time to study all that? But you got time to get in the Word. You've got time. Anybody can get their healing from the Word of God. Amen. Anybody can. And so this is what God is telling us. Always rely on His Word to heal us. So today we're going to talk about the fact that the blood speaks mercy. His blood speaks mercy. Amen. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy. Man, this is what we need to receive anything that we need from God. We need to be assured of his mercy. Amen. Now, the blood of Jesus in Hebrews 12, if you go there, we'll look at that first. The writer here is talking about the difference between the old and the new covenants here. Uh, the old covenant talked about uh, restitution, vengeance, all of those things because it was the first law that was given to man. But when you look at the Bible, it always defers to God as being the final judge of all things. And so if God is the final judge of all things, then we need to find out what he's, how he judges in this dispensation that we're living in. Jesus ushered in a new covenant, folks. He was still operating some under the old, but as a merciful high priest, that type of his ministry was what we have now in this new covenant that we have. And so it says here in verse 22, he says, but you are come unto Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, not earthly, and to an innumerable company of angels 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Amen. So if people ask you what church you belong to, tell them I belong to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Amen. Because that's what we are. You know how people get to brag. I go to so-and-so church. You ain't been there in three months. You just got your name on the roll one time. Check it out. You know, belong to the right church. Amen. That's where you belong. Amen. You're the general assembly of the firstborn. Which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, what did Abel's blood speak? The Bible says that God talked to Cain and asked him what he had done. And he said, did you kill your brother? He said, his blood is crying out to me from the earth. There is life in the blood. Amen. There's life in all blood. And so he's, when he said that your brother's uh, blood is crying out to me, what do you think it was crying for? It's crying for vengeance. Any person that is killed unjustly, that blood is still talking. That's why we got so many crazy, deranged people running around calling themselves normal today because of the shedding of innocent blood. Think of all the blood of innocent babies that are aborted every year that's crying out from the earth. It's crying out to God. Avenge me. My life was taken. I didn't get a chance to live. It was taken away from me. Amen. And so God has to make decisions about what he does in the earth. And when he starts making those decisions, everybody who's been warned that this is murder and it's wrong are, are, are really living on, on the edge, I would say. Amen. And that's why we pray for them. I pray for, I, I heard Oprah Winfrey on TV bragging about her abortion as Martha Plimpton lady. They're on this abortion, my abortion prayer every week. I ask God, please forgive them for bragging about an abortion. They don't know, forgive them for it, Father. They don't know what they're doing, you know? So many people like that who are caught up in the lies and the hype of the enemy to the point where they will take an innocent life for no reason. Amen. For no reason. And so we have to be careful about this because you don't want as a child of God to get involved in it. And many times we get involved in things out of ignorance. And if that's so, then repent and and ask God's forgiveness and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Give you a new start. And that's what God wants. He wants to give everybody a new start. And that's why his blood now speaks mercy. The blood of Jesus comes in as an atonement for all of the blood that's been shed illegally and wrongfully, all of the blood that's been shed through murder, all of the things that we have done that are sin and that are not right before God, all of that. His blood has to cover the sins of the whole world. And so when we talk about the blood of Jesus speaking better things than that of the blood of bulls and goats and that of Abel, amen, it means that that God is overriding the vengeance 
that he would seek because people have broken his law and he is instituting mercy instead at the mercy seat of God. That's where that's where our prayers go. That's where our faith should be. It's in what God does over that mercy seat. And over that mercy seat, there's healing. Over that mercy seat, there's redemption. There's salvation. There is every good thing that God needs to complete our lives. Because when we go to God, we go there seeking mercy. Amen. A child of God should never be afraid that God is judging them. Or, or whatever it is, if you did something in ignorance or, or you did something accidentally, God's not holding against you if you'll confess it. Amen? Sometimes we'll, you know, people live in regrets. Oh, if I hadn't done this and I, I just hadn't done so and so and such and such. Well, that's normal for a human mind to want to go back and try to correct things as if you could do that. And so what are we left with? We're left with a great God who wants to show us mercy. And I'll tell you, to be forgiven is much better than to be perfect. Amen? Adam and Eve were perfect. And they still got into trouble. Amen? So once you get into trouble, your only recourse is forgiveness. So you say forgiveness is better. Because if you're trying to live perfect, you get one time to mess up. And once you do, you start to condemn and crucify yourself. But God's blood speaks mercy. It does not speak beat you up, punishment, all of those things. It speaks mercy if you know how to apply it. That's why the Bible says you can come boldly to the throne. Now, that doesn't mean that God is your enemy and you going for bad. God, you better let me up in there huh don't mess with the kid i'm saved you know you don't you don't go to god like that but when the bible says go boldly it means knowing your sin isn't keeping you feeling ashamed it's not making you shrink back it's not making you feel like you can't have it amen and the minute you get that almost straight in your head, then the devil will come with some lie and some delay on your promise. And then you'll start thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Well, I thought you went boldly and got it the last time you, huh? That boldness shouldn't diminish because you make a mistake. If you let the blood speak for you, if you're not trying to speak for yourself, you're not trying to be good enough, huh? Now, that don't mean be a serial sinner once you get saved. You know how some people are. Oh, God, you know, (laughs) he ain't paying no attention. I'm going to go do this real quick. No, that's not what this is about. This is about a blood covenant that guarantees that if you are sincerely penitent in your heart, amen, if you sincerely are sorry before God, the Bible says godly sorrow leads to true repentance. And when the Holy Spirit shows it to you, there's no ignoring it. And so that's when you confess it to God. You say, God, I see that. I'm real sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean you sit up one day and talk, think about all the bad things you did throughout your whole life. Huh? You know, some people get all carried away with stuff. But it doesn't mean you run away from owning it when you do. No, 
You gotta stay, you gotta stay with God in his heart. Understand how his spirit grieves because he can't give us access to so many things that he has for us if we let sin be an issue for us anymore. So we don't have to hide from our wrongdoing, but we don't wear it continually either. Don't let it stop you from receiving what God has for you. So when he says come boldly, he said come on in, it's paid for. You got a free ticket up in here. You don't have to do any, you know, people like to go on the, these fasts that they do. Now, I, I'm not against fasting. I heard that. Huh? I fast. I don't look like it, but, you know, I'm not a Pharisee about it. Let me put it to you that way. <laughs> Wearing the long face and the gaunt appearance. Huh? Listen, I had professional makeup classes. I know how to make my face look skinny. And I know how to buy the right kind of stuff to suck everything else in. So y'all don't, you ain't playing, you ain't playing with no amateur up in here now. I'm a professional. But I don't, I don't go there anymore. You know what I'm talking about. I don't go there anymore. Why? Because it's not about the appearance of things. It's about the reality, what's really in your heart. If you are godly sorrowful about your sins and your misdeeds, sometimes we can just get to talking and flipping off at the mouth, and then God will tell us the truth that we feel so stupid afterwards. You know, the first thing you do is, God, I'm really sorry about it. I thought I was right. And the other sin is I thought it was important to be right. But what's important is that you have peace. It don't matter who's right and wrong. You can't take right to the bank and you can't take wrong to the bank. Amen. So let's just be real here. Be glad that we're not in prison. Be glad that we're not in in hell. Be glad not on our way, not by a long shot. Amen. So God, Jesus' blood was shed for the sins of the whole world. Everybody. So we must demonstrate this, and Jesus demonstrated this everywhere he went. Everywhere. Jesus found a way to get healing to everybody. He found a way to get provision to everybody. He found a way to get comfort to everybody, to bring joy to everybody. He found a way to do it. And you can see that in his preaching and how he ministered to people. Amen? So he is demonstrating the kingdom that operates on blood covenant terms. And the blood covenant is always a covenant of mercy. Amen. Mercy is what drives the blood of Jesus. So if you can say the blood of Jesus is willing to speak on certain things, he's willing to speak on mercy so that everybody can receive what they need from God. See, mercy is what makes the, the playing field level, so to speak. It means that anybody who puts their faith in God can get what they need because he is ever merciful. Amen. The Bible says his wrath may endure before a short time, but his mercy endures forever. That means you can go to God with any need that you have and expect to get what you desire. 
If you don't let the devil talk you out of it and you don't let yourself talk you out of it and you don't lower your expectations, amen, to, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I got, I just got my house paid for and it's, well, do you have any extra to give to anything or if you need an emergency? No, I don't have that. Well, let's get to getting on it, amen. Get to believing God for things that will give you greater peace of mind. I'll put it to you that way. You can always get greater peace of mind in dealing with the things of God. So we're going to talk about a, a woman that, that Jesus has met here. And uh, it's in, we'll go to Matthew chapter 15. I think that's the one I want to go to. Matthew. And Matthew chapter 15. I'm so organized. I had my little divider in there already. Oh my. Praise God. Amen. This is the woman you, we all talked about her before, the Syrophoenician woman. This is kind of interesting because you would see this phrase over and over again when Jesus would, would heal people. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. And many people made that cry. As the Messiah was passing by. Number one, when they called him the son of David, that means that's a, a, another term for the Messiah. And so what they were declaring is that they believed at least some of the things that were said about Messiah when he would come into the earth. Number one, that he was anointed and that he would go around doing good, alleviating human suffering. All of the things that plague us, he had an answer for it. And so it was very common for Hebrew people to put all of their trust. That was one of the legends before Jesus really came in the flesh. It was when Messiah comes, we will have, when Messiah comes, that was their, their blessed hope, in other words. And it was a good hope because he did bring everything that the Bible said he would bring. Not everything that people thought he would bring, but everything that the Bible says he would bring. And so when he came, it was really a test of your confidence in in the known word of God up until that time. That's why the Bible says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Many times people say, for instance, you know, you come to God and you think he's going to do this and he's doing that you know many people fall away or get discouraged or quit or whatever but God is looking for faith and faith is not always a quick remedy sometimes faith is what you believe over time because God more than anything wants relationship with us he wants us to know him amen not just come and stick him up and take everything Uh, even humans don't let you do that. I had a husband. He's with the Lord now, so I can talk about him freely. But uh, <laughs> but he loved me and I loved him, but he didn't let me rob him. of. Uh-huh. He said, he made a mistake one time. He said, I don't let nobody take all my money. I said, you mean there's more yet that I don't know about? Interesting, interesting, huh? So you look, you try to figure out what sock is in, what drawer is in. You know, you get real good about shaking them socks out before you put them in the washer because you think he's got something else. 
Uh But see, we do that with God if he'd let us. Amen. Many times we're, we're longing in our hearts for goodness. You find somebody who treats you good. And you start pinning all your hopes in what they can do for you. Amen. Come on now. It's easy to make that transfer. But God wants us to know him. He wants us. He wants to bless us with everything. But the Bible says we're already blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not material. Spiritual blessing. So that he can put our faith on what's important. And that's the things of the spirit. Because if you walk in faith for your provision, you don't have to cry, weep, and moan. And carry on and, and, you know, put the long face on. And especially around the saints, we want to look real bereft around them so they give us that holy handshake and put $50 in there. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Working the saints like that. We need to cut it out. Because God wants to be that person to you. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be your all in all. And so I think it's, it's, it's nice when you can just not worry about anything and spend quality time with God. Get to know Him. And He will put you in such a place of ease about provision that you don't have to worry about anything. You will not stress a paycheck. You won't stress you know, running around trying to, you, you, you got Uber going, got Lyft going in, you got a full-time job. Come on now. Got a gig and a side gig and a part-time gig and a, my goodness, how much do we need? But, you know, you spend that time with the Lord and spend that time in his presence, you don't have needs. Huh? Remember Psalm 23? When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't lack anything. You don't have any needs. You, now, you may not have everything your heart desires, but you are so content, nobody can force you to get upset about what's what's missing, if anything. Amen? Because you know you got it already. You're going to walk into that at some point. So when we know God and we have that quality relationship with him, that's what he's looking for. That will do us more good than any quote-unquote answer promise, miracle, anything like that. You know, I would hear people say things like people would give their testimonies. You know, I was a younger Christian and, and you know, you'd be at meetings and here and, and, uh, you know, you'd have people, uh, give their testimony of a healing. They'd been, you know, oh, I was in bed for so many months or I was in bed for two years or I had a stroke and it, you know, little by little, uh, you know, God healed me and they'd say something like, and I wish I could go back to those times when it was just me and God. She said, they say it was almost worth it. You know what I'm saying? For what I got in God, you know, and then at that point somebody snatched the mic from him because you was, you know, dropped the mic. You were supposed to say stuff like that in front of the faith people, huh? Well, how do you think the faith people stay alive from miracle to miracle? Amen? It's through relationship with God. And God wants us to have relationship. So you'll see Jesus work in relationship many times into the situations where he's healing people. He's not just giving them, uh, you know, it's like faith is like a, a slot machine. Put your faith in, pull a lever, and cha-ching, your stuff falls out in the cup. You know, get a bigger cup so you can carry more stuff. It's not like that. It's relationship. 
And so God wants relationship with everybody. Amen. Everybody. So in uh, um, Matthew 15, where are we at? 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now these are are Gentile regions. This is not among the Jewish people where he's going. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is severely vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. Amen. Now, listen, anybody that came to Jesus in faith, he responded immediately. Some of them didn't even ask him for anything. They just came in faith expecting and pulled the anointing and the healing power out of him. So he's not slow to respond when faith is involved. So when he doesn't answer this woman, you must assume there's no faith in what she's saying. Huh? Just screaming out for help. Huh? Now she addresses him correctly. She says what she hears everybody else say. Huh? See, your mouth and your head can be in it, but your heart can be far from it. And where does faith reside? It resides in our hearts. Huh? You can say a lot of things without faith on them. Huh? You can lie to people with your little fingers crossed behind your back. Huh? And hope they don't say it. You can just be speaking out of desperation. Huh? So when she says, have mercy on me, that's probably the only true thing she's saying. Amen. She's, in other words, I don't know how this works. I'm not a Hebrew. I don't know y'all customs. I don't know your God. I don't know anything about anything. But I know this. My daughter's in trouble. And I want her well. So please have mercy on me. So he doesn't say anything to her. Now you would think most of people would think, well, what kind of mercy is that? He's ignoring this person. Huh? Sometimes ignoring people is the most merciful thing you can do for them. Huh? Sometimes we respond too quickly to just a need, but there's no faith to hold that promise even if it were to manifest on them. You got me? Benny Hinn ran into this a lot in his crusades. He said it troubled him greatly that many people would come in and get healed and then they would go home and lose their healing. He said they got so many letters, phone calls and everything. I got healed at your service. I was able to do this and the other and my illness is back again. He even tried to go around and teach people how to hold on to their healing and so forth and so on to no avail. And so what generally happens is that if a person is not encouraged in their own faith in some way, it won't manifest well for them. So when you see Jesus doing things that look mean or not right or not compassionate, you know how we like compassion to people means different things. Amen. Compassion sometimes to uh, to uh, uh, government 
means give everybody food stamps and let them still struggle instead of trying to make provision for them to educate themselves or at least train themselves for something better. The money we spend sometimes just handing it out a little bit is enough money to keep people in trouble trying to steal enough to get, you know, to live. And so when we talk about compassion, it comes in many different forms. Compassion has to at least get to the root of what it is that's keeping that person away from the promise of God. And so that's what Jesus sets out to do here. Many times the Bible talks about um, God provoking us to good works. Sometimes we have to be pushed out of the comfort zone of where we are and get provoked into getting up and doing something different. And so when Jesus talks to this woman, the way he deals with her is by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he has a spirit without measure. Which means that as much of the Holy Ghost as anybody can have walking in human skin, he had it. So the Holy Spirit has already zeroed in on her problem for Jesus. Amen. So he knows by the Spirit of God what the dealio is. She don't know. So he comes off looking like he's judging her as not deserving. Of his time. And the the, the uh, uh, disciples kind of back that up because they get in the flesh. Jesus only one is in the spirit. He stays in the spirit. So he's over in the spirit dealing with the root cause of what's hindering this woman's faith. And the disciples are in the flesh trying to go for bad. Oh, Jesus. Now, he, Jesus and told you. He ain't got time for you. Why are you still hanging around? Why don't you go home? Uh huh. Get on away from here. This is for us only people. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of religious people are like that. They'll make you jump through 55 different levels of hoops to get something Jesus says only believe. Huh? Believe and not doubt. You don't have to go through any works. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You know, all you got to do is get it settled in your heart that God wants you well. God wants you healed. And he's made provision for it. And you don't have to provide for it yourself. And so when when they look at Jesus says he doesn't answer her. She's pleading her case the best. Oh, my daughter, you should see her. The devil just tears her up. Just like the guy with the son. That, that, that had the seizures. He says the devil throws him in the water and then throws him. He's been trying to kill him and all this. They go on and on and on. Like God doesn't know what's wrong. God knows not only what's wrong, but he's got the remedy and an answer for it. And he's willing to give it to you. Amen. So many times we don't need to go on and on and on. People think that she thinks she's convincing Jesus to help her because the situation is so bad. He cannot violate his own law of faith and help her just because the situation's bad. She has to have faith to get it. And let me tell you why you need faith to receive from God. Because faith will actually help you to hold on and secure what you have if you stay in faith. There's, there's such a thing as, is having to maintain what God gives you. 
And so if he, why would he put a Cadillac in your garage and you don't even have, what's one of the things? Uh, what's a little thing? Kia Faith. Is that a little thing? Or Hyundai Faith or whatever it is. You know, Fiat. Fiat Faith, huh? A little toy car. Ride it up, huh? He's not, cause you gonna, you gonna sit up there and worry all night. You will have no peace whatsoever. Amen. You'll drop the insurance. So that's the first thing to go. They keep start telling you what it's going to cost you to insure that bad boy. You drop that at the first sign of anything. Scared you won't be able to eat for paying for the car. Amen. So, so God will, will shut the door to that now, but he will help develop your faith for more. You're not, he's not telling you no forever. He's just telling you, wake up, sister, huh? And start acting like you got some sense around here. Amen? And so he has a reason for everything that's done. Don't think God does not have a reason for these things. Sometimes it takes time because of God's reason in your life. Amen? He wants you to be able to hold on to that. And not just for your life, but you're a representative for him. There's more to you than just what's in your little life. Amen. He wants you to be able to go give testimony. He wants you to be able to have an overflow of faith and an overflow of love for people. Sometimes God is doing that. The the delay is so that God can prove his love for us. We say we know he loves us, but many times we don't act like it. And so he has to prove his great love for us. Amen. So, so here this lady says, he, he, she says, uh, uh, he didn't answer a word. And his disciples came and want to rough her up. Huh? Want to treat her bad. Why? Because these people were enemies. The Syrophoenicians or Canaanites were enemies, pretty much, of the nation of Israel. They looked down on one another. They had all this animosity against one another. You know, the Middle East is a hotbed for tribal warfare. People hating each other and hating each other. Um, the landlord at our, our church in, in Detroit is Muslim. And he um, he had a project that he wanted to have done. And I was telling him, I said, well, there's a gentleman next door. I said, he really seems to be very skillful. You know, we saw him rip every, all the bricks out of the house and I was looking for it to fall and his brother put the bricks back in there. You know, it was good as new. And so he said, oh, that guy is so and so and so. I said, yeah, him. Uh, I don't mess with him. I said, well, what's wrong with him? I said, he said, oh, well, there are some, some group of people, he said, and his, he said, if his friends see him working for me, they make fun of him and say, oh, you're working for the Muslim man and all. I said, Lord, have mercy. No wonder people don't get much done. You know, you let that kind of stuff stand. But this is the way it was between the Syrophoenicians or Canaanites and the Jews. The Jews looked down on them, called them dogs, and they called them dogs right back. You understand? So there was strife between those tribes. But Jesus looked at it this way. He said, even with the contention between our nations, this lady has humbled herself this far huh, to somebody who she thinks thinks of her as less, as a dog. She's at least humbled herself this far. 
And so once he gets that nibble from you, he will feed that nibble. He'll work with whatever we give him. Amen? That's how a lot of times we get answers to prayer. We look back and we can't figure it out. It's like, I don't even know how that happened. You understand what I'm saying? Because whatever we gave him, he worked with that little nibble. And he added to it. Amen. He always adds to. He doesn't take away. So he's not going to turn this woman totally down. He's not going to turn her away. He's going to encourage whatever it is that she's presenting to him right now. Jesus will add to it. He actually guides us to the answer as a good shepherd. So he takes the lead and begins to take what this lady can offer, and then he works with that to get her to her promise. So you got to look at everything that he does is leading that person to what they need. He is never telling them, go away, you can't have it, and don't come back no more. Or go away today and come back when you got more faith. He's not. T- he's never dealt with people like that. Amen. Never. When you see him working with people, even if it looks strange to you or it's not what you would do, it look a little rough sometimes, he's working with what they have to bring them more of what they need to get what they want. Amen? To get what they need. And so he says, he answered her and he says, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, where did he get that from? From her? Huh? Because she feels like an outcast. And it is true that he came to the lost sheep of Israel. But you can see from his ministry, anybody who believed him got what they wanted. That didn't stop him from blessing anybody. The fact that he had, it's like if you're, if you're in a, a meeting at a, you say the Pentecostal church of J Street, and you don't belong to any church. You just came in there and you're in that meeting. Well, if you believe God through that minister to get you what you need, you get what you need. He just, you know, anybody might have come for the Pentecostal church of J Street and they might be paying his check at the end of the day. But anybody that rolls up in there with the right kind of faith can receive what they need. Amen. It's the same thing. It's the same thing here with Jesus. He came to his own. His own received him not. Many times his own would get provoked. This is very common among religious people. You ever seen people that say the people in the church that nobody likes and new people don't wear shoes or whatever it goes on and play? We don't play like that in our church, but you know, in places where there's a little hierarchy, where it's good people and and uh, well-known people, front row people, back row people, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and sometimes people, like the barefoot people will get a, get, get blessed, get a healing, get somebody get everything they want. And then the hoity-toity people, why, God, if you do that for me, I, dim, I know you do it for me. You understand? This is, happens all the time among religious people. We get provoked by one another's blessings. Huh? Now you may not, do it in a carnal fashion. I know we're more spiritual than that. You know what I'm saying. But still, there's something in your heart that goes off and says, oh, God will do it for me. See? 
We overcome by the word of our testimony, blood of the Lamb. That thing will repeat just like, just like it happened. Amen. Miss Nola, Miss Nola, get your mic, honey, and just tell us real quick what happened. Cause we were saying this, preaching this the other day, and, uh, you got a mic for her? Thank you. Okay. Sorry about that. I get impatient. I'm sorry. I'm patient. All right. Just tell us what happened. I I drive Dollaride, and so on Dollaride there's this one gentleman. I don't get him all the time, but every time I see him, I always feel like I need to pray for him. But I'm just always like, Lord, open the door, because I'm always on camera. Most of the time, I don't care. But but anyway, so anyway, I had him uh, Monday, and I was taking him to the doctor's office, and he's in a wheelchair. And so when I got him into the door, I couldn't get him over the over the thing to get him inside so anyway somebody helped me he kept telling me i just don't have no hands i don't have no hands and i kept saying what is he talking about so anyway when i got him back went back to get him after his doctor's appointment i said well mr roosevelt i'm gonna go get the bus and so he said i just don't got no hands i just can't help you and so i let him talk and i and and i said okay lord it's time for me to pray for him and so i let him keep going on so then he told me because he he has one leg but the other leg doesn't work and he, so when I was pulling him up the lift or putting him up the lift, that's when he said, I fell out the bed. And he said, it's like I paralyzed myself. And my hands are like, you know, so when he lifted his hands up, they were a fist. And I said, that's what he's talking about. And so I let him keep running his mouth. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to pray for him. And so when I got him up, I closed the door and I said, can I pray for him? And it was like before I could say, can I pray for him? He said, yes. And I, so I grabbed his fist. And I was praying for his fist. If you put your fist up, Miss Avis, and I was, and I was, and his hands were like this. And I was holding his hands, and I prayed for him. And I said, "Open your hands up." And I said it so fast. He and he said, "Whew!" And he oh, and I said, "Close them." And he and so I was like, "Open them, close them, open them, close them." And I was like yelling at him, and he was saying, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus." But I, but I thought about when Pastor Barb prayed for the lady at the jewelry store when she said her thumbs were frozen. And her thumbs opened up, and it was just—I was just so thankful that it was—he got his miracle. I mean, I was just, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Miss Nola. Yeah, and that's a spirit of prophecy. See, when we share testimonies, that spirit will cause that same miracle that happened. You're going to have an appointment with somebody that needs it. You know, don't say you won't because you will. And so you're going to have to do the bold thing. Most people will pray for you and walk away and hope you don't try nothing. You understand? I used to be like that. And then God told me, he said, you will never work a miracle if you don't rely on me. He said, you're not doing anything. You're just being obedient to me. Let the anointing work on people. And so it is miraculous when we see these because the people are asking for miracles all the time, all the time. But that's the spirit of prophecy. That's how we get answers. That's how we get inspired. That's how we provoke one another. I'm sure there are many times you hear testimonies and you say, oh, God, I want to do that. That's provoking. Amen. Not provoking in a negative way. But what provoking really does is moves you off of, of where you are. 
and it moves you over into a greater realm, amen, into a more perfect realm. So we all need to be provoked, amen. We need to be pushed off of dead center so that we can step up into where that miracle is and where our faith is. So it says, Jesus said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this was where, where this lady's mind was and where her heart was. Her heart was to get her daughter healed, but her mind was full of doubt. She's thinking, he's not going to honor me because I'm I'm a Gentile. I know he stays. He goes to Jerusalem. He's at the temple. He's hanging out with all them Jews, and I'm not one of them. I'll never get it. That's probably what she told herself. But something in her heart, the compassion that this is my moment to help my little girl. And if I don't take my moment, I'm not sure another one's going to come. And so sometimes we have to just think about things like that. And so when he says, I'm, I'm only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he might have even said it in a, a tone that matched her thinking. You, you ever do that with people sometimes? You know exactly what they think and say in certain situations and you'll repeat it to them sometimes to make it sound familiar to them. And that's what he did. He told her, I'm, I'm saying what you think I'm limited in doing. I'm telling you, this is what you think. This is what you're thinking on the inside of you. And so when she hears that, it does something different on the inside. You know, a lot of times, if you think something's hidden, you're more comfortable than when it gets out. You know, like sometimes people say things abruptly and and, uh, you'll say, uh, you know, if they say something hurtful or something uh, angry or in an angry tone, it just jumps out. Well, they say, oh, I was kidding. No, you weren't. You kind of meant that because I felt like you meant it. You know what I'm saying? And so this is one of those situations where you got to get people cleaned out so that faith can rise it's not cleaned out because they dirty and they don't deserve whenever you have sin on the inside of you or or animosity or doubt it hinders your faith that's why god is doing all of this for us to get us free so that we can believe and we can have the things that we need your sin doesn't get exposed make you feel bad you need to feel bad on your own about it But once it's exposed, you're to confess it, get it out of the picture so that you can go ahead and receive what God has for you. Say, hey, it's out there now. Now that I'm cleansed, God, give me my, you understand what I'm saying? Give me what I'm looking for. Because it's a good thing to have your sins forgiven. But they can't be forgiven if you're trying to hide them every which way. And that's where she's at. He says, I'm not, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So it's like this. What does Israel do? Well, they worship God. So she tries that. You understand what I'm saying? There's no harm in trying different things. No harm whatsoever. You know, I mean, at some point, you keep at it, you're going to strike pay dirt. Amen. Just keep at it. So she worships him. She gives him and then she worships him and said, Lord, help me. She refuses to let go. So now it's turned from her daughter being the problem to now she knows she's the problem. He says, I'm only sent to these people. 
And she said, well, I'm going to do what I think these people do. And she does. And she said, but help me. In other words, Jesus, if I'm not doing this right, just help me to do this thing right. You know, that's a good prayer. If you don't have what you need from God, you say, God, if I'm not doing this right, just help me to do it right. But don't go away empty handed. Now, don't say, God, I'm just doing this wrong. Quit. Huh? Take an attitude about it. No, you God help me to do this right. You know, what do I need to do? I want to be on my feet by six o'clock, you know, t- tonight, whatever. Right now, what do I do? Help me. And this was an honest, this was an honest request on her part. And he said to her, he said, hmm, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Huh? So this is where we get the provoking. This is her final provocation. She's provoked a little bit, but she holds it together. And she says, oh, okay, humble myself. I worship you. Help me. Huh? She takes a little step, a little step, and a little step. But she's still trying to hide the fact that she feels unworthy. Because, Jesus, you're prejudiced against Gentile people. You're only going to help your own people. Huh? You know, there are some preachers that tell you that. Oh, yeah. I don't consider tithers even a part of this congregation. You don't, you don't pony up. You don't get nothing. That's when you need to pack your little stuff and go right back out that door you came in. And let them have their bought and paid for miracles. Let them have their bought and paid for nonsense. Huh? That is like uh, Brother Copeland said early in his ministry, there was a, 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 a African-American minister that he knew when they would chat off and on how's the ministry going. You know, they're both new at it. And so he, this uh, gentleman went into a church, and when they found out he was black, they didn't want him to preach. And he said he went outside the door of the church. He said, I was so mad, kid. I sat down and cried. And I said, God, they don't want me. They won't let me in there. And God said, they won't let me in there either. Huh? Right. So in other words, sometimes God will save you some trouble by not letting you get entangled with crazy people. Huh? He's done that to me so many times, over and over again. You know, you think this is the group you're supposed to be with and they do something crazy and you can't get with them. And sure enough, you find out they're not what they say they are. But she says here, he says, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And that's when she flipped out. She said, yeah, but even the dogs get crumbs off the table. If I'm a dog, I'll be a dog. Amen. But I want, I still want my daughter healed. See, no matter what your doubts are, no matter what walls go up when you're trying to use your faith, if you'll persist and persist and persist, that faith is in there somewhere needing to get out. So he provoked her one good time. He made her good and mad. And then the mama came out. Amen. She said, uh-uh, but you healing my baby. I don't care. We are dogs. We getting the crumbs. I don't need to sit up at your no good table. All you hypocrites. You understand me? I finished it off for her. But anyway. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
she was not leaving there without her baby getting healed. Amen. And that's the way you got to be. And he said, oh, woman, great is your faith. You can have it just like you said you wanted it. It's yours. Amen. And so when we go to God, we have to be determined to not leave without it. Don't you ever leave without it. Amen. You stay there until you get what you need from God. Because many times doubt rides in with us on every conversation, on everything we think at the end of every thought pattern. There's some lingering question. And so you see Jesus kept pushing her buttons and pushing her buttons and pushing her buttons till he pushed the right one. When you push the right button, what comes out of that person is what's in their heart. Her faith jumped out and told him, she said, I don't care about all that. She said, you can give me crumbs. We'll live off of those. If that's what you think of me, then give me the crumbs and I'll take those and we will live and we will be healed. But I know that I'm getting the same thing you give these other people. Amen. Because that's the kind of God we serve. He's There's no partiality with him. He will do what he says he he will do for every single person. There's no exceptions to that. There's no partiality in God. There's no exceptions to his word. There's no no hopeless cases. There's nothing impossible with him. Amen. So when we go to the throne of God, we talked about going boldly to the throne to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And so we find what we need once we get into God's presence. That's where everything is. Don't come out without getting what you want. When Jesus put his blood on the mercy seat, the first, the sprinkling of the blood was similar to the Old Testament. They had two goats that they would use for the sacrifice, for the sin offering. The first goat was was to to, uh, vindicate God's holiness. In other words, they put their hands on the head of that one goat and expressed the sins of the nation, acknowledging that they had violated God's law. That has to be done. And then the second goat was to provide a covering for us as we go off in life. So there's no punishment at the altar of God. Not even under the old covenant there was. It's never to punish you. Never. We don't preach punishment. Amen. Now we might warn people, but in the family of God, there's no punishment for sin. Just like you don't punish your children when you do wrong. You wish they didn't. Amen. You might take some things away from them and you might let them try to try to punctuate it and let him know that if you keep keep being a loser or acting like a loser, you'll suffer loss. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to do some things to reinforce what you teach them, but you're not going to punish them for for because you're mad at them. You understand what I'm saying? And so even though sometimes parents do, amen, you do. You act out in a Bible says that that uh, uh, none of the punishment or none of the um, uh, uh, discipline that we go through, amen, is pleasant. And, And because God wants us to learn obedience through the things that we suffer, 
But he says even parents did it for your their own pleasure. Many times parents whoop you until they feel better about what you did. Amen? And sometimes you need to do that to reinforce what's going on. But you don't make it a habit. You understand what I'm saying? You feel that sorrow from God for what they've done, and then you go to them later and reconcile with them. You know, that's part of the process. Well, that's what God does to us. He'll withhold some things for us from a season until we get it together and understand we can't squander what he's given us. And so once you learn obedience, then it's not to punish them for their wrongdoing. It's to put a discipline, a restriction and a discipline so that they can come back into line with your word. Amen. You're coming back into line with it. And so God teaches us. That's what it means when his rod and his staff comfort me. The rod is to keep you in line, just move you over to where you're supposed to be. But you keep walking on with God. Amen. He won't he won't cast us aside. God put his own blood on the mercy seat. Amen. So that blood speaks mercy 24-7. Continually, there's mercy at the throne of God. Judgment is punishment, but it's not for God's people because your blood bought. That blood cleanses you, uh, past, present, and future sins. You're not being punished. If you're away from God, it's because you choose to be. Huh? You feel distant from God, that's your choice. Amen. He's not pushing you away. He's kind of encouraging you to come. Amen. So that he can keep his relationship right with us. When we, when we understand that God, what God's blood does to us, it speaks mercy, which always brings a remedy for what troubles us. So the blood now is remedial. Amen. The mercy seed is remedial. It brings us a remedy. It does not mean that we're to stay away from God because we fear bad news. You should never fear bad news from God. It's always good news. It's good news because you're renewed in your relationship. You're renewed in your fellowship. You're renewed in a way where God can now come to you and instruct you and help you. When you're distant from God, he can't instruct you in anything. He can't really help you in anything. But if you'll repent and you'll come boldly to his throne and say, God, I know I haven't been here for a while and I know I keep running around too busy here and too busy there or whatever it is. But God, right now, I want to ask your forgiveness. I want you to help me straighten this thing out. Let's get it done once and for all. Instead of running around trying to act like nothing's wrong and you're fixing everything. Amen. Just let him have all of that so that he can give the remedy and bring healing.